It is absolutely buzzing in East Lansing for the right reasons with football, for the absolutely wrong reasons with basketball. So, of course, we had to pull on Lansing's finest Graham Couch onto this show to talk all things Michigan State. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Spartans is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That is $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. Spartan friends, Spartan family, Locked on Spartans listeners, thanks a ton for joining us once again. Locked on Spartans, your team in green and white every single day. I'll stop blabbing because we have one of my favorite recurring guests that we are very fortunate enough to have on time and time again on. It's Graham Couch. I don't need to introduce him, but he's Lansing State Journal, Counter Room Podcast. And actually, hey, before I started recording, we were talking with Graham that, hey, I met a listener over the weekend, this very nice gentleman named Kirk. He says he listens to Locked on Spartans and the Couch and the Room Podcast. So, Graham, we have at least one person that's going to enjoy this chat. I can't speak for the other five people that will listen to this, but <laughs> one person, one person is going to love this. So, Graham, how on earth are we doing here today, my man? Uh, I am. I am well, you know, it's... uh I think I'm doing better than 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 most people uh, who care about Michigan and Michigan State football and basketball these days. If you're a hockey fan, you know, hey. you reverted back to the early 1990s here. This is exciting. Uh, look, hockey is a fun sport. I am far from an expert on it, but I'm going to have to be a diehard hockey fan for the next few months if I want to keep any shred of mental sanity alive. But also helping that cause, Graham, is the football team because, hey, everyone's undefeated in the offseason, especially when you don't even have a bowl game to lose. But it has been exciting here in East Lansing. Jonathan Smith, he is a few weeks into his tenure. And I'm just going to come out of the shoot with this very cliche question. What grade are you giving Jonathan Smith here early on in his time at East Lansing? Oh, it, it's really hard to do. I mean, incomplete would be what yeah. I would do. Just because yeah, I just don't know. And, and you know, it, it, he obviously he's, I, I think, done a nice job with a good mix of guys he's built the program with, bringing them over, and some new faces, both guys who are holdovers. You know, I mean, I think the Courtney Hawkins retention was was really smart. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Rossi, the the Minnesota defensive coordinator, is a guy with Pitts, you know Pittsburgh guy, Midwest ties, recruited Michigan before. Had some good defenses, you know. Uh, I mean, every fan will hate the coordinators at some point, so it doesn't really matter um, yeah. in certain ways. But um, th so I think there's been a nice blend there. Going to be a you know challenge to to uh, you know to, to finalize a roster, and we'll see who's in and then who's out, and, and and not that long, and to get our first recruiting class in. But all that stuff is really hard to tell this early. The staffing, because, look, there's been a lot of cries about, oh, he's bringing over too many Oregon State guys. It, it doesn't ha even have to be about that. But when you see the assistant pool, all right, this is great. It's awesome. That is a butt ton of cash. Like, that is only a little bit behind Texas A&M, I was saying on this show. Like, that's pretty good. You get guys like Rossi, who, you know, Bruce Feldman did call one of the best-kept secrets in college football. But at the end of the day, is that a big enough name, in your opinion? Or does the staffing match this giant assistant pool or should a state fans over here do we have a little more to be desired out of like what he has been given as far as money goes do you think 
Well, I think it's hard to tell. I mean, I, I wouldn't go. I mean, Rossi's agent told Feldman that, and Feldman said that. So, I mean, that's what that's how that works. I'm not really gonna, sure. You know, I don't, you know, I'm not not that Rossi's not really good, but that's how that that yeah. game is played. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, I get it though because you you do get this if you look at the money like Mark D'Antonio's staff made versus what they're making now and what that should mean. But I think it makes you competitive in the market. And if you're trying to get a sitting defensive coordinator from another Big Ten job, it says, mm-hmm. come here. This is a place we are trying to build something. Uh, there, there's stability, you know, three-year contract type of stuff. You know, th- th- this is a place you can be and, and, and advance your career. Um, and and I, and I sort of understand it. But I also understand if you're trying to build a program and you've got guys you really liked working with and you built a program with, that's who you want to build as a staff. I mean, that's, I, I get why you want a lot of holdovers. I don't think he brought over too many in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that is the delicate thing. And, and to what degree are the, could you, could you do it with less money? I mean, that's sort of what, even what Jonathan Smith insinuated in taking the job that he doesn't need everything that MSU has. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I'll say this, if you spend that much money on coaching, uh, you can't fall short in NIL. And because we are getting to a day and age, and I don't look, I don't, I don't know that NIL collectives are are the future here, but I, I think there are uh, there's players are going to get paid. We know that to some yeah. degree, and and so you you need to be at a place where your overall financial resources, I know it's not all coming from the same place and everything, are, are capable of taking care of the player as much as the coach. Um, but you know, it, it is also a competitive market. I'm glad you brought up to Antonio too, because that kind of leads into where I want to go with this next. Are, are we just going straight back to the Mark D'Antonio days? And what I mean by this is when it comes to recruiting, like, is it going to be more of just the, okay, guys that Ohio state and Michigan didn't want, they come in with an edge, you develop them and turn them into good players, which did work for obviously that golden stretch here, but also, which I feel like a lot of people maybe somewhat forget, like that also kind of sunk D'Antonio at the end. There is relying too heavily on these diamond and the rough three stars or with all these commits joining this 2024 class, is that just a matter of, hey, we just can't have, you know, a six-person signing class, and that's why the recruits are so low? Like, do you think there will be more four-stars in our future, or is this truly going back to the days of D'Antonio where it's just three-star city, you think? Well, yeah, if you look at D'Antonio's initial classes, it was a lot more like like this. And, and, and you know, D'Antonio at his, at his peak, you know, they got L.J. Scott, a kid that Ohio State wanted, yeah. right, you know? The kids they were getting now Michigan was down, but they were they were beating kids they were beating Michigan uh, kids uh, they were beating Michigan the kids in the state quite a bit. Now mm-hmm. Michigan has a national brand and they were getting good classes from all over the place, but in the state rankings you know Michigan State was doing fine, and so I I mean I think there's there's opportunities there. We'll see where Michigan's program is, how long Harbaugh is there, and all that stuff, and, and where they go where they go next, but. Yeah, I mean, I think, it, and you've got to be a mix at Michigan State. You've got to, you've got to find your guys um, that are, you know, I say diamonds in the rough, but are guys that are going to be developmental guys. And then you've got to, you've also got to have a brand and and have a, a staff and an NIL situation that allows you to compete for some guys that are, are are a little higher end and or at least perceived to be higher end. Because if you look at mm-hmm. some of those, like if you look at the two thousand, I'm getting the year wrong here, ten or eleven. It's the Will Golston class, okay. I believe. Um, 2010 class at Michigan 10? State. Yeah, that's not, I think there, it's there 10. Is no yeah. class in the Yeah, there's no class in the country that year. Not Alabama, not you know anybody that was better than that class as it turned out. Now, it was only ranked, I think, in the mid-20s. 
no better class. And a lot of that had to do with the development and, and you know, the, the Le'Veon Bells of the world and, not, you know, the Darquez Denards and all that, that type of player. Um, now, you're right. You have to be hungry to keep getting those guys and, and unearthing them. And you got to be really good at talent evaluation. And yeah. um, so I, I – but I think the answer is I think it's a mix. But I don't think this class – here's the problem with the, the recruiting calendar as it is. And this stinks right now for a lot of reasons. There should not be an early signing period that, uh, I mean, if you want to have one, have it in August where kids can get out of it, a coach leaves and there's a second signing period. But it, you've got too much happening right now. Coaches need mm-hmm. to be on. If you're going to have the transfer portal and the one-time transfer rule, then you need to have coaches on campus dealing with their roster. Be fair to those kids. You need to let new programs put together, new coaching staffs put together staffs and figure things out. Because one of the things that used to happen when February was it for the signing day was coaches would tell you your first year was one of your better years in a lot of ways because you could sell a dream and nobody could poke holes in it. Yeah. There was nothing to say that you couldn't achieve that because you hadn't been there yet. Well, now it's just so hurried. You don't really, I mean, again, there's a second signing period, but a lot of guys are off the board. It's kind of a mess and it, it limits what you can do in that first, that first class. No doubt. And you know what, when it comes to building the roster, especially, you know, with this transfer portal window, I do have some concerns that I want to temperature check with you really quick. But first, Graham, I hate to do this, but I got to send you to the bench because I need to talk to people's ears off about Prize Picks, the leader in daily fantasy sports. They make it so easy, so fun. How on earth do you play Prize Picks? Well, just like I said, it's simple, guys. You just name a few NBA players, NFL players, NHL players. You can mix and match two. They're going to give you the projected stats and you just got to guess more than or less than that number and then string enough together you can win up to 25 times your money and they off they also offer a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players get injured that's right they have an injury insurance policy for football and basketball games if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return for the second half that player is rebooted price picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy they also want to keep you winning right off the bat so go to price Prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use promo code locked on college. That's all one word locked on college for first deposit match of up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. It's prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy. Also, tis the season for home field apparel. Wear my home field hat right now, home field t shirt. Why? Well, not only do they look good, they have the greatest vintage logos out there, even some Michigan State logos that you may have not even known existed, but these are the most comfortable pieces of clothing in my closet. And for the holiday season, let's say for some reason you hang out with people that aren't Michigan State fans, like what's their deal? But whatever, you want to get them a gift anyway. Homefield has more than 100 colleges on their website at homefieldapparel.com. Also, with just amazing logos, just like they do with Michigan State. So, when you go to homefieldapparel.com, smash in promo code LOS23. That is LOS23 for 15% off of your first order. Again, guys, LOS23 for 15% off your first order at homefieldapparel.com. Now let's drag the one, the only Graham Couch of Lance State Journal of Couch and the Room Podcast back onto the show here. And Graham, I've thrown this at the listeners, the viewers time and time again because, hey, with the transfer portal, I've said that my concerns are the offensive line. At one point, they've had to replace nine offensive linemen from last year. That's with the seven guys in the portal, J.D. Duplain and Nick Samak. Right now, as it stands, that number's back at six. 
but still a little bit of a concern. I would like to see more names pulled out of that portal. Should the offensive line be my number one concern as it pertains to Michigan State's roster, or is there something else that really sticks out to you? Yeah, and I think roster and, and program, because what really, I think, hurt the end of the Mark D'Antonio era and the Mel Tucker era as much as anything is that they just haven't gotten the line right. Really, I mean, they've had moments where they've been okay, but it hasn't been right since 2015. Yeah. And, you, you know, we're getting close to a decade of that being one of the things that's really held them back. There have been years where they haven't had the playmakers, years where they haven't had the quarterback, and those are things. But, you know, you got to – we'll see how the quarterback room comes together. But you've got a coach who was a quarterback. I think they'll be able to recruit quarterbacks. I don't think that's going to be your issue. Receivers, it's a diva position. You, you're always going to be able yeah. to get receivers if you do it right. Um, yep. But the – the offensive line is different and it's different and they're harder to get out of the transfer portal either. So you don't want to lose them. It's hard to build without, I mean, these are kids who like to recruit or like to commit early, like to be comfortable. They're not, you know, different types of experiences and athletes um, growing up and everything. Like to me, if I were, if I were running the show at MSU, like if I was running, if I was a big donor, I would create a separate um, NIL only for the offensive line call you know, the, the big hogs, call it whatever you want to do. Sure. But you want something where each one of these guys is coming in with a six-figure deal, and it's it just known. If you're on the team, it's that. And it, and it increases each year you're in the program. And build that. Become one of the best off and offensive line schools in the country. There's no reason you can't do that, even when there right. are other classes. that I, I would have that just a separate whole uh, uh, wing. But, yeah, I do think that's a concern. I, I think it's good news for MSU that some guys have, have decided to stick around. Um, but it, it, it's something that's important because, you know, it doesn't matter who you have at quarterback, if, if, you know, that person's not going to be able to develop with confidence and, and, and grow if, if, if you can't protect them to some degree. Uh, if you can't run the football, we've seen what that looks like at Michigan State. And so I, I think in the, in the both the near term and the long term, that's the position. They, they have not been able to get right for the longest time, and, and it, we're to see it to believe it sort of stage. I feel like built by beef or beef box would be a good like NIL collective for the linemen. I'll, right. I'll throw that up the flagpole and see where I can get with that with all my billionaire friends that I definitely have over here in my neck of the woods. Um, I guess, you know, combining NIL with my next question here, because I'm sure this has something to do with it, but this is going to start with a Jordan Hall question. And this could balloon into like a whole college landscape question, but not too long ago, Jordan Hall, he hopped on a different podcast. This is Sparta. And he said that, hey, he is going to stick with Michigan State this January. Okay, great. Awesome. That's very exciting. You're not hopping in the transfer portal. But um, that's not necessarily when the college football season is played in January. Um, look, he's a smart kid. I'm sure that this is something to do with business of like, hey, the NIL, maybe this is a business tactic. You can keep me around for this long. You have until this date to make sure I am back for the next fall until it counts. But is is that noteworthy that Jordan Hall said he's back until January? Is this just more eye-rolling at the landscape of college football? Or how am I supposed to take that news as a Michigan State fan? It's weird. Well, I, I think I think it's smart because for a couple of reasons. Okay. One, he you know, he want he's probably happy at MSU in certain regards. And so you want to give this new staff the first chance to see if it's a mesh, right? And okay. so if you're Jordan Hall and you're somebody who's going to play wherever you go in college football yes. and you're going to have options. You, you 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 don't have the worry about like you can leave after spring practice and say you know what this isn't for me i'm gonna go somewhere else you can see um 
how reliable the NIL situation that may be being sold to you right now becomes. And do you trust mm-hmm. it and what the contract looks like and all that sort of stuff. And, and yep. so there, there's stuff. I, I think Jordan Hall is a good litmus test because he's a guy who wants, I think, wants to be at MSU, wants to see how it goes. And uh, so, I, no, I don't, you know, I think it's a, it's a smart move by him not to commit beyond, you know, it's also saying that I'm in the middle of my freshman year. Yeah. You know, academically, I'd like to, I'd like to see where this goes. Number one, I'm, a, I'm, you know, I think school is probably fun for a lot of these guys. Not, I'm not saying all the classes are, but being a football player on campus in the off season, you know, doesn't doesn't stink. Um, and so, yeah, and I, I don't find any fault in that from him at all. That's it for football. Unfortunately, I, I extended the football talk as long as I could, but we do have to address that other team, Graham, the the basketball team. Uh, yeah. So are we, are we just screwed? Like, is, is there any glimmer of hope or just, what, talk to me, Graham? I don't, I don't even have a question. I'm, this is really bad podcasting. Just talk about basketball before I bang my head against a wall until blood starts coming out, please. Cause this, I, I can't believe it's gotten this bad this quick. I can't. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're looking for hope in basketball, you're I looking am. for, you're looking for things that can change within the season, right? Because yeah. they're, they're right now it's, it's not enough. And it's clear. I mean, even though, their problems from one game to the next are sometimes a little bit different. I, you know, I've covered teams like this at MSU and elsewhere where it the, the margin is thin enough that it's always something. And mm-hmm. and those teams don't get very far. Now, Michigan State, we saw against Arizona, and we'll see how they play against Baylor. But we've seen that at their best, they can take a run at anybody. Like, I wouldn't want to mess with them still in a one-game scenario if I was a really good team. But they're, the, the way they're playing now, they have no shot at putting together three, four wins in a row and, and, and making a making a run. Um, so you're looking for things, you're looking for reasons they could change. And I think number one is Jackson Kohler. And yes, that's a three point a game, uh, freshman from a year ago, who's a sophomore right. now who they had high hopes for and, and, and though, and, and it did change his body. But I think the bigger thing that he can do, it's not just that he gives them somebody who's yes, a little bit of a, you know, a scoring threat, somebody you can throw the ball to, but it's his feel and how he sees the game. He sees the game like the guards do. And it'll take minutes away from Mati Sissoko. And I think right now that's important to do. And it, yeah. it stinks for Mati. It, it just sort of is what it is at this point. Um, but the, the problem with Sissoko when he's on the floor is not just what he lacks in, in, in certain abilities. It's that it's it's how he sees the game. And it's that his teammates, I don't think, trust that he sees what they see. So there's nothing that can be done on the fly. It's all if, – if everything runs according to plan, terrific. But um, I, I, I really think that – Kohler gives you a much better chance to do, you know, he'll see what the other guys will see. And okay. it has a chance to change other guys offensively. And, and I think that needs to be a big thing that Jackson Kohler focuses on when he comes back, too, is not just being somebody who becomes a scoring threat, but overall somebody who, more than he did a year ago, uses his skills as a passer and other things to, to be somebody that can play through a little bit and um, just change who they are offensively when he's in the game. I do think against certain matchups playing Malik Hall at the five is something that's uh, smart and doable, but it's not going to work against a lot of teams. There are teams where the the big man is too dominant uh, to to rely on uh, to go small and too much uh, of force and part of what the other team does to go small. You're just going to lose that battle because Malik Hall is not a dynamic score from beyond the arc where you're pulling somebody away and they really have to worry about that a lot. You can hit a three or two, but it's not, um, that's not going to work in, in, entirely. Uh, so I do think there, there's 
the chance to do some things there. I think Cohen Carr is showing some signs, uh, and he's a guy who can grow into the season more. You want guys who can become something they're not. And, and, and I think as Cohen Carr figures out where he's supposed to be defensively, he can do a little more offensively. You can play him more, and his athleticism takes over. That helps. But but ultimately, they need you know Jaden Akins to be a reliable secondary scorer and shooter. Yep. Uh, they, they need A.J. Hogarth to play the way he has the last two games, which I think has actually been pretty well, even in defeat. Um, and, you know, and I think Cooper, Carson Cooper can grow into the season. I think he's where he should be in his development. They're just in a tough spot. And the, and the problem with the center position and sticking with your guys, if they're not ready and not going out and getting a transfer is how that position has changed in college basketball because of NIL and because of the NBA, the NBA doesn't want any of these guys. And so some of them have an extra year, but they're all yep. sticking around and you got a million good big guys. So you got to have one. And, and Michigan, I think Izzo thought he would be okay there, and, and they still might with Kohler. Before, I'm going to reserve judgment on sort of the idea that they should have gone and gotten somebody because you see a guy like that masked kid who's a kid from a mid-major yeah. who goes to, goes to Nebraska and has six, you know, eight points, 14 rebounds, six assists, and, and, and gives Michigan State all sorts of trouble. Michigan State could have that kid. And the decision not to, I think, is like a year from now, people say, well, they should get a kid. Well, a year from now, though, I, you know, you may look at where they are with Xavier Booker. You may look at Jackson Kohler and Carson Cooper and say, well, now they really don't need it. But they, they might have this year, and we'll see where they are with Kohler. We've gotten this comment a lot. We've gotten this question a lot. And it is the, is Tom Izzo finished? Is he cooked? But before I ask you that formally, Graham, I'm sorry, I need to do this for a second time. The show it makes me sick. I got to send you to the bench because I need to talk to people's ears off about Fan Duel Sportsbook, the number one sports book in the game, gang. As the weather gets colder and the season gets older, the NFL offers stay white hot on Fan Duel because right now new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That is 150 bucks if your team wins. You don't need to lay the points. You don't even need to fudge with the spread. All you got to do, look at the menu of NFL games, pick a team that you like and say, sure, yeah, five bucks. I think they could win. And if they do, just like I said, guys, 150 bucks right to you. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, it is clear there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use with the wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Just like, hey, my favorite prop, first time, first time touchdown score. Get in on the action at FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to kick off the NFL season with us. Again, FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. It's FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, let's drag him back on here. Graham Couch to answer the question on everyone's minds. Tom Izzo, is he done? Is he finished? Is he going to the wayside just like the Jim Bayheims of the world? Or is there still a little bit of gas in this tank and we've just hit a few too many potholes, but pretty soon the road's going to smooth out here, Graham. Put you on the hot seat. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I don't think there's – the idea that he's finished. I mean, we saw what D'Antonio looked like when he was finished, right? I mean, that's pretty clear. Yes. And so <laughs> yeah. just think about those recruiting classes. Think about the fire that was that was missing. Now, it is – like, if you look at Izzo's best teams and teams in eras that have made runs – he always has the point guard and yep. when it, that is, you know, whether it be Cassius Winston, Denzel Valentine, Keith Appling at his best. And then when Keith Appling wasn't at his best, that was a struggle. Uh, Kalen Lucas at his best. And when Kalen Lucas wasn't at his best, you know, you get it. Yeah. You know, and, and going back and so forth. And so I think that is um, a big thing right now. He has not had the point guard in this era. And it began with, 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 with the foster lawyer decision to, to, to take him. Um, it, it's been, not getting Hogard 
uh, without having Hogard become the consistent force that I still think he can be, and he can be at times, um, and and having to rely on him. And it's been, uh, you know, not just, I mean, like you talk about the transfer portal, he went out and got Tyson Walker when they thought they needed a point guard, right? He was willing to do it. He yeah. saw the need there. They still recruited pretty well. I think Jeremy Fears Jr. is going to be a, a player. I think he's everything you want in a leader. Um, you watch the way he interacts with Izzo, with teammates. It's hard to lead when you're a freshman and there's a senior at your position. Of course. Uh, the way he interacts with Xavier Booker. Uh, I mean, if Izzo was done, then then Jeremy Fierce is probably leaving. So just think about all the things that happened. So same with the, um, I mean, all these guys on this nice SD4L contract. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that contract's around if Tom Izzo isn't around. So I mean, be very careful about the idea of what, I mean, Izzo means a lot to MSU, but he means a lot to donors who are yeah. still funding his team. He means a lot to the university in the way he represents them. And, 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 and I think, you know, he, um, you know, there's a lot of evidence that he's still recruiting at a high level, even if some of these guys haven't developed and panned out. Where, where Izzo has hit the sweet spot on some of his best teams and not hit it with this current group is having guys who are uh, fringe NBA players but great college players, right? Yep. I mean, the, you want four years of Cassius Winston over two years of Miles Bridges all day long. Totally. You, you want four years of Cassius Winston over Jaron Jackson Jr. all day long. But you need the guys to become Cassius Winston. You need them to be like this team right now has a lot of guys who aren't really pros or good college players, but are they good enough? And, and Tyson Walker certainly is. And they're, the, 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 for right now, they're just not as, you know, the, the, the sum of the parts isn't as good as the parts, I don't think. They just don't fit. And, and they've got some, some flaws. They're not a good enough shooting team right now. Um, and, they're, you know, their big men aren't, aren't playing well. So – I, do I think he's done? No, um, because I just the evidence doesn't point to that. Is, is he stubborn as hell? Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> does, does he need yep. to, uh, you know, live by his own words and making changes when he says it and other things? Yeah. Is he frustrated? Is he a little lost at times? I, you know, the when he starts bringing up the the war drill and helmets for the third time already, and, and that's just him trying to figure out what what's what and what to, they're not actually going to do that. Um, of course not. Right. <laughs> but that's not you know. But you, you you do see, I mean you can you know decide who starts and, and playing time with a blank slate based on effort and practice and and doing those things that you really want they need to play Xavier Booker more I think he realizes that now even if he gets pummeled he needs yeah. to have some time in the game because it's not any better than the other bigs it may be different he may get pummeled worse but maybe he brings something else that doesn't make it and it doesn't have to be 20 minutes a game of Xavier Booker it just should be two two stretches one in each half where he's on the court and he's a part of things and he has a chance to grow if you're not, if, if what you're getting from the other guys uh, is what you're getting. But to answer your question, I, you know, if, look, if I thought he was done, I, I would say it. If I thought this was it. And I, I just, I'm also somebody, I think things are generational. I grew up in Lansing, Michigan. Uh, yeah. I have been to NIT games at Michigan state as a teenager. I have seen MSU as a middling program. And I always remind people, that every expectation you have for Michigan State basketball was created by Tom Izzo. It's a one-coach program. It is not a blue blood. It is a one-coach program who's done it for 25 years at a level that is so hard to do. He has gotten so many coaches fired by ambitious yeah. ADs who want their program to be what Tom Izzo is. I mean, yeah. it is, it is, he is, it's like Gonzaga with mid-majors. When I used to cover mid-majors, the number of just dumb ADs out there would be like, we want to be the next Gonzaga. And yet they wouldn't put 
any resource, like you know what, how lucky you have to be and the resources that have to go in. And yeah. it, it's so, uh, you know, do I think he's done? No is the answer. I'm glad you articulated it like that. That was a lot better than I could have done because, no, I don't think he's done or finished or cooked. Like, yes, there are glaring issues, but I think you just nailed it right off the top there. It's like we see what finished and cooked looks like with Mark D'Antonio, not not to, you know, pile on to a guy that I love like a family member in Mark D'Antonio. Gave me some of my finest memories in my 20s, but that's what it looks like. But he does still have the fire, and he is trying to find solutions too. And it's kind of hard to find solutions when, you know, you got a guy that is as complicated as A.J. Hogard seems to be. I'm not going to claim to know him personally, but Izzo has also said, too, in press conferences, is like, look, I've tried screaming. I've tried coddling. I've tried everything with this kid. I don't even know what to do anymore. Well, and that's I, hard I with a guy that's really good at pushing those buttons, usually, like Izzo is. But, like, he, even he's dumbfounded with what to do here with his point guard. <laughs> right. And I don't think Izzo's perfect. Like, I, I mean, I, there are times oh, sure. that I think they could run a different offensive system entirely and, and be better off. Um, and, and he's just not going to do that, probably. And then you got to take the good with the bad. But I'm just saying there's plenty of good still still left in there. Um, and with Hogard, like, they are – this is my own opinion, but I do believe A.J. Hogard would be better – if Jeremy Fierce Jr. wasn't on the roster, I think Fierce would develop faster if Hogard wasn't on the roster. I don't mm-hmm. think, I don't, I think Hogard with Fears over his shoulder, it struggled a little bit. He, he knows, I mean, the way Izzo looks at Fears, find somebody who looks like that, looks at you that way in your life, you know, like, and AJ yeah. sees that. And, and, you know, and, yeah. and with Hogard, or with, with Fears, he wants to be on the court more, but Hogard's still better at his best right mm-hmm. now. It, it, and the other problem with, that they've had this year, and, and, and this is not a small thing, but, you think about late in the year, how well they played. And that's when it really kind of came together as it has for a lot of teams. And, and and I'll say that Izzo is really good at figuring it out in February. You know, we, there's the joke that January, February, Izzo. Izzo is February. And that's the reason, to, I mean, you, you look at those last those last two Cassius Winston teams. Those were, I wrote columns yeah. in February about how those teams were lost, especially the last oh, yeah. one. And it wasn't going to come together. And they didn't have enough shooting. They didn't have this, that, and that. And by the end, now it's like the great what if in MSU basketball history if COVID hadn't happened with that team. Well, a month before that, they looked like they were headed nowhere. And, and so he he does tend to to figure things out late. And, and so I, I still think there's there's that component of it. But the other thing I was mentioning before I derailed myself the rant, which I usually do, um, the if if you look at the end of last year when Hogarth didn't play well or was in foul trouble, they needed something else. It was Tyson Walker, the point guard. It, they moved, they basically went away from Trey Holloman as the backup point guard and went to Tyson Walker. Well, now those minutes are all going, for the most part, although you see a little bit yesterday, they're mostly going to Jeremy Fears Jr., who is not as good as Tyson Walker as the backup mm-hmm. point guard. So not only is A.J. Hogard not played as well, but you're not as good at the backup position either because you're leaning on a freshman where you had Tyson Walker a year ago and, and, and key minutes sometimes when Hogard hasn't been good. So I think there's a lot of things at play. There's time to figure it out. Um, you, you do have to win some games at some point, though. You can't. That'd be nice. You know, yeah, I'd like that. <laughs> you can't be 12 and 19 and telling the NCAA tournament committee. But look what we did in the second half at Arizona. <laughs> like it doesn't, it doesn't work. Um, so, I, you know, they, it would if they beat Baylor, that would be that would be helpful. Um, Indiana State is better than anybody imagined. I don't think that game gets scheduled if, uh, if they known that was going to be who Indiana State is, but. Um, I still think there's time for them to be good. Are they what I thought they would be? No, and I don't think they ever will be. I'm curious yeah. to see who they can become with uh, with with Kohler and and what sort of uh, other guys will develop into, and then what Izzo and his staff can put together by February. 
Stay tuned to find out. I guess we'll still be watching every single game, reacting to them as all news in Michigan State land. That's right, gang. If Aiden Childs ever wants to commit, uh, you know, just to have transparency here, it's Wednesday, a little before four. We've heard nothing yet. So if you're wondering why we haven't talked about Aiden Childs yet, well, that's why he hasn't committed yet. Anywhere. Hopefully it's Michigan State one day. But, uh, gang, thank you guys so much for listening. Graham, always love having you on. You are truly the best. Anything you want to plug here before we let you go and enjoy the rest of your life here? Just more listening to Matt Sheehan. That's where everybody wow. should be. Wow. Okay. Here, I'll, I'll send you the Venmo right after we hop off this call. Really do appreciate that, man. So, uh, gang, we will be back tomorrow. Who knows what's going to happen? Hopefully, like, a, a cool quarterback transfer portal commit would be nice every once in a while. But, uh, hey, until then, gang, love you all. Go Green.